It is 1.36 p.m. on Wednesday, March let's see, 13th, 2019. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. Perhaps I will change the name of the podcast. That's coming up later. I want to do a very original podcast. Well, it'd be original for me. I want to, I actually was given a suggestion over the holidays of last year that I should have people, no, I was given the suggestion at a funeral that I went to back in January that I should have people on, particularly families, who are successful with the Come Follow Me manual. This suggestion was given to me by my oldest sister. I actually think it's a good idea. So I want to kick this off by having at least two mid-singles that I know in person who are using the Come Follow Me manual, perhaps more, and then perhaps the first of each month or the first Sunday of each month or the first Saturday, whatever, I will have maybe a husband and wife couple on who are interested in the Come Follow Me manual. So that'll be good. That'll be really good. In fact, I already have my first guest unofficially lined up for the month of April. So that'll be good. And we'll make this a, I'll make this a once a month feature along with other things that I have done on the podcast. I am solo this this time. You might get two podcasts from me this week if all well you'll get one podcast but you'll get two within a week span. If all goes well. All right, let's cover the big news. The LDS Temple, or the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints Temple, was dedicated in Rome. Wow, what a big deal. A let, Let's just start off here. In the temple, there will be a, uh, in the visitor center at least, there will be um, marble with 3D technology that will feature uh, that will feature a picture of Jesus Christ on it, and then there will be a Christus with, and then there will be a statue of the twelve original apostles, with the exception of Judas Iscariot. He will be replaced by Paul the apostle, because as you know, Judas Iscariot denied the Savior and was, I believe, instrumental in having him killed. The difference between him and Peter. This was a big deal. Uh, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Catholics have had a very good relationship since probably, I would say, 1963. Now, this relationship did not happen overnight. As a matter of fact... And I'll put a link to the article that I'm referring to in the show notes. But as a matter of fact, there was a time in the early 50s to the early 60s where it was forbidden to go to a Catholic funeral. Likewise, it was forbidden for Catholics to go to a funeral from our church. And then in uh, 1963, some, uh, some major things happened. But the big break happened in 1980, when in fact, 
there was a person, Joseph Federal, as I believe how you pronounce it. He was leaving, uh, being honorably dismissed or something from the Catholic, uh, to be from a Catholic bishop. And then the church welcome, uh, honored him. They bidded him a farewell and honored the new person, welcomed the new person in. And then over the years, the Catholics have been working very closely with members of our faith to with charity work, especially to, uh, with refugees and places where ISIS hit really bad and places such as Jordan, Nepal, and Yemen. So it's been a very good, uh, very good thing. In fact, you might be interested to know that there was a time when the Catholic Church was going to build a school. A school. I don't know if it was ever built. I assume it was in Draper. And it was a 57-acre school. There was opposition to it in Draper. So one of the high-ups of the Catholic Church called up President Monson uh, because they were really close. It was uh, William, whatever that, uh, William, whatever his last name was. Uh, William, uh, William Wiegan, I believe. Yeah, William Wiegan. That was the guy who was welcomed in in 1980. William Wiegan was welcomed in in 1980 after the Catholic bishop Joseph Federal left. And William Wiegand and Thomas S. Monson became very good friends, very close. So when there was opposition to a 57-acre school, Catholic school that was about ready to be built in Draper, William, William Wiegand called up President Monson. President Monson called up the state presidents in the Draper area and said, I want, the, I want you to stop this, and they did. I assume the school got built. I, I wasn't sure. I assume it might be Judge Memorial or something like that. Juan Diego, I'm not sure. But it's a great relationship, and I think this is a good example of how churches can work together uh, with charities. In fact, when I was on my mission in Nova Scotia, Canada, I learned, this is back in 1999, uh, interestingly enough, it was on a it was a baptism that happened on September 11th, 1999. Little did I know the significance of that date later. Little did we know. Anyway, in uh, 1999, uh, September 11th, there was a, I was at a baptism, and the bishop of our church got up there and said that we work a lot with the Catholic charities when it comes to natural disasters. As a matter of fact, it's very common that the Catholic charities ask us for money and other equipment when they're out helping people, and we gladly give it to them. This is a good example of how people can work together, despite the doctrinal differences. As a matter of fact, President Nelson was actually quoted in this article saying the doctrinal differences are important, but what's more important is people coming unto Christ and that people are losing their faith and that we work together. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. 
and I think it's great that the the Vatican I've met uh, the Pope Pope Francis and President Nelson went to the Catholic Church or went to Rome uh, and met together in Rome. Well, they the President Nelson went to Rome and met with Pope Francis. This was also the first time that we know of, that church historians know of, that the Quorum of the Twelve, along with the First Presidency, went outside the country together. There have been a few times where the whole entire Quorum and First Presidency, the whole Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency, went to temple dedications, one in 1956 and one on June 27th, 2002, which actually I happened to attend, I happened to have attended that dedication by satellite. It was being broadcast in the stake center where I lived at the time, and so I went uh, remotely by a satellite. The temple dedication in Nauvoo, and then uh, 1956, when the tenth temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was built in Los Angeles, but never has the whole entire quorum traveled outside of the U.S. together. The closest that that, uh, that the Quorum of the Twelve and everyone traveled together was in 1841 to Manchester, England at the British Isles when they were doing missionary work. So this is really significant. And this actually, uh, I was just reading an article where President Nelson discussed why he had a very distinctive impression from the Lord in, uh, because I don't know if you know this, but, and this is nothing confidential, it's public, so I'm not giving off anything new. Every Thursday, the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency meet to discuss administrative matters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and probably other issues that are affecting us. In one of the meetings, he just said that he had a very distinct impression that he needed to have the whole entire Quorum of the Twelve go. And everybody was gasping. And President Nelson said, I now found out why. He thinks that this will be great missionary work. And Elder Ballard said that he was glad that President Nelson listened to the Spirit, that the Lord invited everyone to go. And the article was saying that this would be great, a great opportunity for missionary work for people. The people in the Quorum of the Twelve talk about the spiritual high that they were on. Here's something I want, and here's something I want to point out before I carry on with this, because there's a couple more things I want to talk about here. I would like to see more individually, not just oh, so and so is a friend of mine at work, and he's not a member. I'd like to see more people associating with uh, non-members. Obviously, we got to keep our theology separate. Obviously, we need to keep our standards. But I'd like to see more people in our church inviting non-members over for dinner and just becoming good friends with them. That doesn't mean we compromise our values. That doesn't mean that we are going to believe their theology. 
In fact, a very good discussion might come over such a thing. That's what I'd like to see more of. One thing I really enjoyed about living in Arkansas is I got to make, uh, I made quite a few friends that were not members. I'm still friends with them today. As a matter of fact, I called one of them up last week to tell him hi and ask him what he was doing. We had uh, wonderful discussions about the Bible, and I'm not sure how effective I was at doing any missionary work, but he now knows what we stand for. I'm not sure how much he really knew about us before I met him, honestly, especially since this particular individual that I'm referring to is from New Jersey. I'm not sure how much he really knew about us. Now, since he is very, very strong in his belief, I didn't want to entrench on his beliefs. I didn't send the missionaries or anything like that. But what we did do is had some very good discussions about the Bible and Bible stories. I had Thanksgiving dinner with a non-member family. I had a wonderful time. So I'd like to see more relationships build up between members and non-members, particularly in the Intermountain West. Because what happens is there's a lot of us, and in the, and I'm talking in the Intermountain West, a lot of us and few of them, in terms of when per capita, it seems, or in terms of when a lot of members get together and then Parents have these rules. Oh, you can't date so-and-so when you're in high school because he's a, she's a non-member, he's a non-member, whatever. And so that really puts a damper on missionary work. I understand why those rules exist, why parents would have them, but it does put a damper on missionary work. I'd like to see that damper being lifted. One of my very best friends is a non-member. We have great discussions. Uh, in fact, she's a Catholic. She's been to some of our temples before when they were open to the public. And we had very good uh, discussions. Speaking of temples being open to the public, did you know that the church put on a virtual tour of the Roman temple? Yes, I saw the video. And even though I'm blind, I got a lot out of it because there was a lot of description in the video. It wasn't perfect, but there was a lot of it. The video started out with the rec. I'll uh, link to the video in the show notes. I'm not going to give the whole video away, but I'll just I'll uh, I would encourage you to go see the video. I'll talk about it, but I I think the video would do a better job of explaining the inside of the temple than me. But I will. Do my best to explain the video in case you haven't seen it yet or in case you don't have time. The video started uh, at the recommend desk where you go to the desk and someone will say, welcome to the temple, whatever, and you have your recommend. It's a card that you show that says, yes, you are worthy to be in here. You can do the work inside of this temple. Then it went over to the baptistry. The baptistry, the baptismal font is on the back of 12 oxes, which represent the 12 apostles. And it also 
went from the baptistry to the oh and the, the in the video they explained a little bit about baptisms for the dead basically what happens when someone dies how do they get saved and yeah they actually use the words get saved in the video i don't mean to sound like a uh, baptist preacher baptist pastor no offense to baptists out there i have a friend who's a baptist but yeah, get saved. Those were common words amongst Baptists in the South. Get saved. or Anyway, the question came up, how do you get saved? Well, if somebody, a relative of yours, or somebody dies, you can baptize them in proxy, just like they did in biblical times. And there are scriptures that, are backing, that back it up. Now that just because you, as the individual, baptize someone for the dead does not mean that they will accept it. It's up to them. But the opportunity is there. So they explained a little bit of that. Then they went into the locker rooms, the men's and women's locker rooms, and they just, uh, explained that you wear pure white clothes. You wear certain clothes to do these ordinances. Then you went, then in the video, it showed the chapel. The chapel is a symbolism of unity. The chapel is where you are commanded to be quiet. There might be some music, some soft music. Sorry, no Metallica being played up there. That was a joke. Uh, but uh, soft spiritual music can sometimes be played in the chapels up there. And it represents unity. It gets you prepared spiritually to do the work that is needed. Then you went in, then the video showed the ordinance rooms where you make covenants with God. You make sacred covenants. You grow and develop. It's kind of like attending a classroom is the best way I can describe it without getting into details. It's like attending, it's like attending a class. And then you go from one, at least in this temple, it's, this, is, this is not the case with all of them, but in this temple, apparently you go from one room to another. The other room where you finish up your work is brighter than the first room. Then it took you to a room that's called the celestial room. That's where you get, it's just a room that, you, we believe that you come close to God. It's pure, it's clean, and you just sit there and reflect. You can pray privately, and that's what you do in the celestial. Then they took you, in the video, they took you to the bride's room. The brides get instructions. That is, if you get married in the temple, the brides get instructions, basically saying no matter what your circumstances are, God is aware of you. Now, some may say, why don't men get the same instructions? I don't know. I guess that's uh, where our faith comes in, isn't it? I don't have an answer to that question. I thought it was really interesting, though, and very, very appropriate that Susan Bentnor, David A. Bentnor, it was actually David A. Bentnor and Ronald Rasband who did this virtual tour through the LDS temple in Rome. And I thought it was very appropriate that Susan Bentnor, the wife of David A. Bentnor, 
explained what exactly happened in the bride's room. Because what better person to explain it than a woman? She's the one who goes through it. And she actually said, um, I like to go to the temple and reflect because we have a disagreement in our marriage and it just seems trivial when we get to the temple. Now, that doesn't mean all marriages last in the in our church. They don't. In fact, a lot of them don't. But those that are abs- absolutely, the husband and wife that are absolutely striving to keep their covenants, that's what, she, that's what Susan uh, Bentnar was referring to. And she says that she can go to the temple and just feel peace and realize that things are are trivial. One thing I forgot to mention is, uh, well, when they showed the chapel, before they showed the chapel, they went upstairs. There's uh, stairs that lead up to the chapel. And those stairs have a picture, have, I guess they have an oval, uh, a shape of an oval somewhere on the stairs, which represents eternity with God. And then... There is a picture of an olive tree representing the Garden of Gethsemane. So once the bridegroom was over, uh, they got you to the celestial room, and then they took you to the the visitor center in this video. You got to see the visitor center, which had uh, paintings of the Savior and that uh, Christus that I was telling you about and the original statue and the statue of the original 12 apostles with the exception of Judas Iscariot who was replaced by Paul the Apostle. So this, I think this is a really historical moment for us that are in the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and for you Catholics too. You Catholics are a part of this too. In a very good way, very big way. In fact, in the article that I was reading that talked about the LDS Church and Catholic, the Catholics working together mentioned that when there was going to be a temple built in Paris, there was a lot of, it, of opposition. And likewise, the Catholic Church, just like what uh, or the Mormon, uh, the, our church, called... Uh, somebody in the Catholic Church and told them to put a stop to this, just like the Catholic, uh, the Catholic bishop William Wiegand told President Monson, called President Monson, said, "We want to, we want, we need help in getting this 57-acre school built. We have opposition." Well, we did the same thing in 2000. I'd guess probably 2016 before the Paris Temple was built. None of this was uh, mentioned in the in the papers at the time, but it was uh, some great behind-the-scenes information. Now there was none of that. No opposition. Obviously, there's opposition in doctrine, but no opposition in terms of the temple being built and whatnot. And I think this will greatly strengthen it. I, I, I think this is a symbol for us, too, that we need to strengthen relationships with people who are not members of our church. I want to move on to another topic. There is a show out there that is really dumb 
I watched him because it's happening in our culture. That is the Latter-day Saint culture. That doesn't mean I like it. I think it's ridiculous. There is a show on Facebook called Mormon Love. Just do a search out there on Facebook. Mormon Love. It'll come up. You could probably, if you have the Facebook app, you can probably click tap on the watch tab. But if you do that, it would probably take you a very long time to find it. I couldn't find it in there. Of course, I didn't look long enough. I just did a search on Facebook, Mormon Love. It'll come up. The show begins with this person, Alexis. And she is wanting to be, you know, she wants to be a singer. And she has this big rehearsal to go to. And she said, oh, I can't go because my boyfriend, Jake, is coming. And the person said, oh, yeah, but this is your chance to make it big. All the big names, celebrities are coming to hear you. This is your chance. So she figures out a way. It doesn't tell us how she does this in the show. She figures out a way to make it work. And the whole time, she's just really, really uptight about not seeing her boyfriend for two years and then it goes on to another couple one lady has one young woman has, is just waiting and talking about waiting for her boyfriend and going steady and you know the whole conversation are you gonna wait for two years and then this other woman her she falls away from the church and her boyfriend comes back and they have the conversation or so this woman has a conversation with her friends yeah she's he said that it's best if we don't see each other anymore he wants to get married in the temple and it just goes on and you know one girl's just real excited to get married really she comes across as very naive honestly and the mom says oh you better wait i and the girl says, oh, I thought you wanted grandchildren. Yeah, but not this soon. And then the young woman says, oh, I can't wait to have babies. I love babies. And I have a major problem with this show. First of all, it makes us as church members look very bad. It's a very negative stereotype. Yes, these kind of conversations take place. Yes, this does happen. But when you compare the amount of members out there, to those just specifically in the Intermountain West, particularly in Utah and Idaho. It's a really bad stereotype. And to be honest, having been a member of the church my entire life, or technically since I was eight years old, however you want to look at it, while these conversations do take place, They're not very realistic. Here's what I mean by that. These conversations take place, but very rarely does anybody actually wait for anybody to get back on their mission, to get back from their mission. Now, this may have changed since the age change that was given back in 2012. Or back in 2013. I can't remember exactly. Was it 2012, 2013? I can't remember. I think it was 2012 that the age was changed from 19 to 18 for guys and 19 for girls. So there might actually be 
more of guys and girls waiting for each other when they get back, assuming, of course, the girl goes on a mission as well. The better story would be this, and the more realistic story would be exactly this. If Hollywood really wants to get it right, you know what they need to do? Follow a couple around who is dating steadily before one goes on a mission, particularly since we we do have to stereotype in this case, the guy goes on a mission. Follow that couple around while they're dating before the guy goes on a mission. And yes, they would have to be dating steadily in order to make this work. Follow the couple around and have the conversation or you know, have the conversation in the in the show. Will you wait for me? And talk about it. Actually, film the conversation. And then the girl's in tears, and the guy leaves, and the guy misses the girl. And to make it more realistic, the guy gets on the mission. Somebody is going to give the missionary a lecture to forget about yourself and get to work. Or forget about your girlfriend and get to work. Somebody is going to lecture that elder. How do I know this? Because I've been there. I had a girlfriend before I left on my mission. I was lectured by the assistant to the president about it. Oh, when the mission president found out I had a girlfriend, he was not happy either. I'll tell you the story. I was at lunch with the mission president, and I had a lighthouse pin on my suit, on my suit coat. Mission president's wife said, where'd you get that lighthouse pin? I really like that. I said, my girlfriend gave it to me. The mission president immediately, without any hesitation, said, we're not going to talk about that, are we? We're going to wait until you get home. So I could just tell he was not happy about the fact that I had a girlfriend out there. Uh, By the way, for the record, most mission presidents aren't. He wasn't the only one. I can understand why he wasn't. But the point is, that's a more realistic conversation, and that's what Hollywood needs to do if they really want this to work, is to have a show a real couple dating before they go on their mission, or before the guy goes on his mission and have these conversations. And you know what would be better and more realistic? If the missionary was Dear John, because that's what happens about 90% of the time, the missionary gets Dear John. The letter will usually say something like this. Let's just use my name. Dear Elder Williams, I have decided to step the relationship down a level to just friends. A lot has gone on in my personal life. And it is time to let the relationship go. You are out doing the Lord's work. That is great. But in a letter you said, to be honest, coming back home was the furthest thing from your mind. I cut the chain and release you. That's more realistic, folks, than the stupid movie or the stupid TV show that Hollywood is doing. It ought to be rated S for stupidity. That's what it ought to be. If you really want to look at it, do a search on Mormon Love on Facebook. 
I'll bet you a lot of a lot of you folks would agree with me that the show is dumb. I don't know what inspired Hollywood to put this out there. All right, the last thing that I want to talk about today is the change. And we we actually talked about this on two podcasts ago, but I want to give my opinion about it. First of all, LDS.org will soon be defunct. If you go to LDS.org, it'll forward you to churchofjesuschrist.org. Not the Church of Jesus Christ, but churchofjesuschrist.org. Second of all, the style guide is changing. We were told that the style guide just said, don't refer to us as Mormons, refer to us as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, now they came up with something else. You are supposed to read... Now, this is the Associated Press style guide. The Associated Press, for those of you that don't know, has a whole style guide of their own on how you're supposed to write news, how you're supposed to refer to people. And I know this because I got my degree in communications. And one of the things that I had to do was look at the AP style guide. So... The way that you're supposed to refer to us now is uh, by the first reference, you're supposed to refer to us as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then as you write your article, you can say things such as members of the faith, member of the church, or the church. The word Mormon or Latter-day Saint is only supposed to be used if there is a clarification on something or if you are trying to conserve space. Oh, by the way, social media, uh, Facebook, and all that, those names are going to change as well. Instead of LDS. In fact, uh, it used to be, if you had a missionary out there serving a mission, they had an address that was whatever their address was at myldsmail.com or at myldsmail.net. Now it's at missionary.org, and I know this because I actually emailed a missionary a few weeks ago. So it's coming. I have a few opinions about this. It really bothers me that, and I said this, like I said, two podcasts ago, but I want to say it again because where I said it was pretty far in the podcast. And that podcast was very lengthy, so I'll just say it here. In 2001, President Boy K. Packer said that we are not supposed to call ourselves Mormons anymore. In fact, I even remember the, the letter being read at the pulpit. I got the email from the church because I was signed up back then for... Uh, Oh, well, it was a church news from the church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints or something, LDS News, something like that. And I got daily email from the church about something, about news that was going on. 
And so I had I got this email, and it was read at the pulpit that we are not supposed to refer to the name Mormons anymore. We can say the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. We can say the Mormon culture. But that's it. What bothers me is we didn't stick with it. And as a matter of fact, the church spent a whole lot of money promoting the word Mormon a few years after, several years after. Mormon.org, Meet the Mormons, the Mormon channel. Which, by the way, that's still the same. I'm sure that'll change in time. So it would have been nice if we stuck with that. And I do like what, and President Nelson made a very, a very compelling argument as to why we shouldn't refer ourselves as Mormons anymore. It's hard not to because we've been called that for so long and we've called ourselves that for so long. But did you know that in the beginning people would call us Mormons and it was supposed to be derogatory. It was like calling a black person the N-word. Did you know that? Yes, it's true. And President Nelson made very compelling arguments as to why we shouldn't use the word or call ourselves Mormons anymore. Now, like I said, it's hard not to. So when people do say, oh, you're a Mormon, I'll just kindly say, well, we're not supposed to call ourselves that anymore. And if they continue to use it, I just let it go because we've been known for that name for so long. It's going to take a long time to make the transition. And I do like what President Nelson said, to be patient. I just wish we could have done this back in 2001. But nonetheless, I think it'll work out. Now, how does this pertain to my podcast? I'm thinking about changing the name. I just haven't figured a new name. That's why I've kept it LDS Life Podcast. Because when I change the name, I'm going to have to change the website. I'm going to have to change the WordPress where you get the show notes. I'm going to have to change the name with Blueberry, who provides you the podcast. So here's how this whole podcast thing works, in case you're interested. When I'm doing the show solo, like I am today, I'm using a software called GoldWave to record the podcast. Then I convert it from a WAV file to MP3. And it gets loaded up to the site. I use, uh, and by the way, this is not an advertisement to any companies. It's just how it all works. Because I know some of you are wondering the technical aspect of this podcast. So well, since we're talking about it, might as well bring in the technical aspect of the podcast. So when I'm done converting it to an MP3, I upload it. Blueberry is who I use for my podcast provider. They will, through the RSS feed, which stands for really simple syndication feed, feed it over to WordPress. When I type on WordPress, WordPress feeds it over, uh, feeds whatever I type over to the domain that I'm using, the server, which happens to be, a comp well, the company that provides the server is Bluehost. So it all gets forwarded there. Then when I publish my podcast, since Blueberry has a plugin that's plugged into WordPress, it all goes to one place. It's very complicated. But that's the gist of how it all works. But the point is, I would have to contact Blueberry, tell them I've changed the show. I'd have to, I'd have to uh, 
change it with WordPress. I'd have to change it with my domain provider, which is NameSilo, which holds the domain. It'd just be a very lengthy process, and I, I just need to figure out a good name that I want for a long time. That's why I haven't changed the name of the podcast yet. I probably will at some point near the end of the summer when I actually think of a name to call this podcast. So here's an assignment for any of you. If you want... Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, we are on Twitter. Yes, I am on Twitter now. Just uh, search for us at the LDS Life Podcast. So that's the at sign LDS Life Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, the LDS Life Podcast. And of course, you can email me, kevinw at ldslifepodcast.com. Email me or tweet me suggestions. What do you want the name of it? It'll probably have to do something. Maybe I'll change it to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints cultural culture podcast or something like that. Let me know what you'd like. I'd be curious to know. Hopefully, I will be back on Sunday afternoon doing a podcast. Until then, I will talk to you later.